Hi, welcome to the This Mama Needs Grace podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Capel. This is a podcast about a lot of things. Motherhood, marriage, coffee, running, routines. But above all else, this is a podcast about love. It is about grace, and it ultimately is about Jesus. Join me here every week where I turn my neat, typed-up blog content into a raw and honest conversation with you, my friend. Happy Monday and welcome to episode number 10 of the This Mama Needs Grace podcast. I hope you all enjoyed the holiday week and were able to enjoy some time away from work and some time with family and loved ones. We had a super fun week over here, filled with baseball games, lots of pool time, the first barbecue of the summer, the beach with good friends, and a beautiful fireworks show that literally put little Hudson to sleep. This fun week left me a bit behind with writing, so I'm getting this podcast out a bit later than normal, but hey, it's still Monday. This week on my blog, I introduced a new Wednesday series for the month of July. Lance and I are running our first marathon at the end of this month, so I will be keeping Wednesday's content focused on all things running and marathons. The second post of the week was a bit delayed, but came out today, so it's fresh off the press. I tell you the five things I wish I knew before entering motherhood. This one is honestly very much geared to the mothers and soon-to-be moms, so dad, you might find this one not very interesting. There is a ton of honesty packed into this one, so be sure to listen all the way through. I seriously wish I could have heard these same words 14 months ago. It would have helped me out a lot. Okay, enough rambling. Let's get into it. Here are my posts for the week. Marathon Wednesday series. Happy July. July over here in the Cable household is a big month. It is marathon month. We are just 25 days out from our first marathon. In just a few weeks, we will be flying to San Francisco, leaving Hudson for the first time, more on this to come, and celebrating our fourth anniversary the best way we know how, running 26.2 miles together. Every Wednesday for the month of July, up on my blog, I'll be posting running and marathon training related tips and really just content related to the marathon. This will be a four-part series that will cover the following topics. One, marathon training tips. Two, best products for training. Three, recovery. This will be specifically geared towards the non-elite runner that does not have same access to recovery facilities that a pro runner might have. And four, marathon motivation. This will be a special post filled with the responses from people I have surveyed about what motivates them to get to that 26 mile. If you're beginning to train for a fall marathon, Chicago, New York, I hope this series can be helpful and help motivate you. I think this will be a fun month filled with hopefully helpful information, but also filled with stories and inspiration that can help get you out of the door and lacing up your shoes. Marathons are not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. Even as a runner, training for this marathon has been pretty brutal. It takes a lot of time and a consistent effort. So, I get why not everyone has the desire to run a marathon. However, I really hope that this series can somehow inspire you to put something on the calendar a few months 
out. Put something on the calendar that will require you to work on a consistent basis. Create a goal and a plan. This could be a 5K race. It could be a local triathlon. It could be a challenge you make up for yourself. Choose a distance and a mode of travel. Whatever it is, put it on your calendar. Take it seriously. I cannot emphasize enough how impactful and important it has been to me, especially as a new mother, to have the marathon as a goal. It has been my outlet. More than an outlet, it has given me a purpose outside of changing diapers and making snacks. It has reminded me of my deep love of running. It has given me back a confidence I forgot I lost. So, with that, happy July and happy Marathon Month. I will see you back here for all my tips for marathon training. Marathon training tips. So, you want to run a marathon, but you have no idea where to start? Then you are in the right place. I'm going to break down my training to give you some tips and inspiration when creating your own plan. The idea of 26.2 miles can feel very daunting, even for someone who has been a runner for over 10 years. The key is to start small and build from there. Especially if you do not regularly run, you cannot just jump into high mileage and workouts. You need to slowly acclimate your body to the mileage. There are tons of training programs you can access online. A popular one is the Hal Higdon training programs, which I have linked up on my blog. There are different plans based on the type of runner you are. I think these plans can be a great starting point, but I also think it is important to craft the plan to your specific body and life. Don't be afraid to get a plan and then make the proper adjustments that make sense for you. Don't be afraid to change run days or to increase mileage on certain days and take days off when you are struggling. I am not training with the same intensity I did in college, therefore I'm not in as good a shape. However, this is one of the first times where my body feels genuinely good and strong. I think this has a lot to do with the fact that I am in charge of my own training. The truth is, you know your body best. If you are disciplined, there is no better coach to have than yourself. Who knows your body better? With that said, no one should train for a marathon alone and isolated. Even if you're largely making decisions on your training, you should still absolutely consult with someone else to make sure you're on the right track. Marathon training is hard work. If possible, find a tribe that helps keep you motivated and consistent. If you're a postpartum and beginning to train for a marathon, you should go back to my blog and get specific tips for postpartum marathoning that I wrote up a few weeks ago. Today, I want to give more specific training tips for just general marathon training. I'm not a coach or by any means a marathon expert. This is my first ever marathon, so I get it. Maybe not the most credible, but there is this quotation that makes me feel a bit more credible when it comes to marathons. To run your best marathon, you have to be in your best 10K shape. To be in your best 10K shape, you have to be in your best 5K shape. Randy Thomas, women's cross country head coach at Boston College. I have lots of experience when it comes to training for fast 5Ks. This is really the base of good marathon training, but of course the mileage and longer study states must be added. 
So, this might be my first time training for a marathon, but I have years of 5k training under my belt. I also believe a huge aspect to good marathon training is patience. You can't jump into that 20 mile long run. You have to build and build and patiently await the 26th mile. It will come and you will be ready. These tips are definitely more geared to the busy person that is trying to squeeze marathon training into an already hectic schedule. This is for those that love running, but running is not everything. This is for those that want to hit their goal, whatever that might be, BQ, sub, fill in the blank hours, or just crossing that finish line, but do not want to do not want trainees to take over their lives. So if you're with me and saying, yes, 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 that is me, then here are five tips to consider when beginning to marathon train. Start where you are. There are tons and tons of training plans to choose from, but I think one of the best ways to create a training plan that works for your body is starting exactly where you are and slowly building from there. I am not going to get into the technicalities of the training plan because there is so much variation based on running background, but I think a general rule of thumb is to start with what you have been doing. So for example, if before you decided to run a marathon, you were running four miles four times a week, so 16 miles per week, start that as week one of training. In terms of start date, that will also vary based on running experience. But as long as you aren't going from zero running, four months out is plenty of time to build. If you're going from literally not running at all, I would give yourself an extra month to just work on getting used to running occasionally. Back to my example. If you start with week one at four days of running per week, averaging about 60 miles, then each week you'll want to slowly increase by no more than about four miles. Again, this is a very basic way of thinking of it, but that number four was a helpful tool to help me build. I also started at running four days a week. I naturally increased this to five and then to six days a week. You will reach a point where it is easier to increase weekly mileage by having a really easy four to five mile run on one of the days you typically took off. You will also want to choose the maximum volume you wish to hit. There is definitely a point where more miles is not necessarily the answer to a faster marathon time. This is known as the law of diminishing returns. Choose your number and try not to go over it. This is again very much based on experience and your personal body, but for me, I am finding that 60 is a good number. Again, I've built to this type of mileage and I've only hit 60 for the first time about six weeks out from the marathon. I'm staying at 60 for about a month of training and then will taper, cut back on mileage last two weeks before the race. While this is definitely not crazy high mileage for a marathon, I know my body, I know my life, and right now, 60 is what makes sense. Designate a day for tempo runs and long runs. And stay consistent. Every Wednesday is my workout days. I'm at the point that I don't even think about it. I just know that Wednesdays I need to push myself. I also then know that Thursdays and Fridays I recover and just run based off of effort. That leads to the big long run days, which I choose to run on Saturdays. I treat Saturdays with extra care and importance. To me, these are the most important days of training. I think it is essential to have this type of training rhythm. Our bodies are smart and I believe they respond well to the same patterns over and over again. 
Be particular about pace. Depending on your goals, pace will play a different role into your training. But regardless, if you're going for the Boston Qualifier time or want to hit sub four hours, pace is important. Again, lots of theories on how to pace, but based on my college training, I am used to using VDOT pacing. There's a link on my blog for the best VDOT calculator. I love this method of training because it makes pacing very straightforward. Even if you have not run a race recently, you can put in your goal marathon time in and it will calculate your pace for the race. But if you click on the training tab next to the race paces tab, it will give you the mile pace for easy recovery runs, T pace, which is threshold or tempo pace, I pace, which is interval pace, so think mile repeats, and R pace, repetition pace, so think hard and painful. If you get anything from this whole piece, this should be the takeaway. This is a great way to make sure you are on target to hit your goal pace. Final thing on pacing, pay attention to it on workout and long run days, but really try to go off of effort on the other training days. On my easy runs, I rarely look down at my pace. There is something to having runs where pace is not the focus, just feeling good and getting in the miles. Train on terrain similar to course. Know the course you're running ahead of time. Each course is different, so do your research to find out what type of course you'll be dealing with. Flat, hilly, rolling, lots of downhill. Based on the course, make sure you're getting in runs that expose you to those elements. If you're running a really hilly course, it doesn't make sense to only run on flat surfaces. Find the hills in your area and incorporate them into your runs. You can also incorporate hill workouts by doing harder effort hill repeats. The best situation, of course, is to get to train on the course, but for most of us, this is not always possible. Even if the race will be your first time on the course, try to replicate it as best as you can on training runs. And finally, take days off. Your body needs rest. It is easy to fall into the more is better trap, especially when you're training for 26 miles, but your body needs proper rest to be able to absorb training. I am the type of person that sometimes struggles with rest days, especially when I'm anxious about hitting my goal time. It really helps me when I think about taking days off from running as a way to better, to get better and help my body absorb the training. Changing your perspective on rest and days off make it so much easier to allow your body the rest it needs. I often think about how an extra eight miles will not do me that much more good, but it can definitely cause injury or burnout. I hope these tips can help as you start your marathon training. If you do not have a marathon on the calendar, I will, if you, sorry, if you do have a marathon on the calendar, I'd love to hear which one and how training is going leave a comment up on my blog. Five things I wish I knew before becoming a mom. We all have different experiences when it comes to motherhood, but for me, becoming a mom was a million times more draining, sad, and dark than I ever would have imagined. The commercials definitely do not paint motherhood in this type of way. They show the pretty parts, just like social media. We seem to mostly scroll through happy babies and joy-filled mamas. And these are definitely parts of motherhood, but there is so, so much more. 
through the nightly crying sessions by both baby and mom, through the deep and real feelings of rejection and failure when your baby screams every time you're just trying to feed them. There's that chart you're obsessively telling how many wet diapers your baby had. There's the paranoia that keeps you on edge every minute of every day. There's the fear that they are not getting enough milk as you drive again to the hospital to weigh them, hoping for just a few more ounces. There's the pressure, the anxiety, the uncertainty. A year ago, I was in a pretty dark place. You wouldn't have been able to really tell by the smiley pictures I posted on social, me on social media, but internally, I was struggling. I was utterly exhausted from pumping and nursing and nipple shields. My brain was bursting with feeding schedules and numbers of wet diapers and ounces of weight gain. They told me it would be hard, but I think this is the problem. Hard is just not specific enough. Hard I could handle. Hard is like a 20 mile run. It's hard and painful, but you know that you've got it. You have the experience and miles prior to back you up. It hurts, but you deep down know you will hit that 20th mile. That is hard. I can do hard, but motherhood is not even comparable. As a new mom, you don't have those previous miles as backup. It is all new, and you absolutely question. Am I made for this? Can I handle it? Can I make it to that 20th mile? Motherhood is much more than hard and exhausting. I feel like that was a lot of what I heard, hard and exhausting. And my thought was, okay, but I can handle not sleeping as much. I did it in college. I can do it now. But here's the thing. It is much more than just not sleeping. It is the physical element of it all. It is the rocking, the shushing, the nursing for hours on end. That is what makes it also exhausting. Forget the barely sleeping part. I really wish someone more specifically told me how it was going to be hard. Not just that it is hard. Because like I said, 20 miles is hard. But rejection, failure, lack of sleep is something entirely different. While Lance and I did a fair amount of research and preparation before Hudson's arrival, there was still so much that happened in those first couple months that I was mentally not prepared for. So, if you are a soon-to-be mama and have done the big things they tell you to do, like taking a birth class and buying all the latest baby gadgets, but haven't thought as much about what life will actually be like with your new baby and changed body, this is for you. Here are the five things I wish someone told me before becoming a mother. Number one, you will spend hours each day nursing. In one of the baby books I read, there was a section about breastfeeding schedules. It was this neat laid out chart. It specifically stated the feeding times and stated how the baby will spend about 15 minutes nursing on each side. I can clearly remember reading this a couple weeks before Hudson was born and thinking, I got this. This will be easy. I will just follow the schedule, set a timer, and we will be good. Well, this book had a lot of helpful information, the way it made out breastfeeding to be was so far from my experience. I was absolutely unprepared for the physical demands of it all. I was unprepared for how I would feel when Hudson refused to latch and screamed and wanted nothing to do with me. No lactation class can fully prepare you for that type of rejection and failure. 
Even when things got a bit sorted after seeing a lactation consultant a couple times, I still was completely overwhelmed with the way nursing quickly took over my life. All my decisions seemed to revolve around it. It controlled what I could eat, goodbye butter and ice cream, controlled what I wore, no more buttons and dresses. It limited me. I knew every couple hours I would be tied to the glider for close to an hour. It would not be relaxing or peaceful or even sweet. There would be tears, sore muscles, and milk everywhere. Breastfeeding in those early days was way more of a time commitment than I was prepared for. I wish I knew. A year later, it is entirely different. Hudson nurses for about five minutes and now is sweet and peaceful and comfortable. And this is a stage that is easy to remember and pass on to others. However, it definitely was not always like this. It changes quickly, but if you're an expecting mama and plan to nurse, try to get mentally prepared for both the physical demands of nursing and the time you will invest. It is 100% worth the struggle and the time and the initial discomfort, but know that it takes time for both you and baby to learn and get into a good rhythm. Be patient. Don't set timers, just listen to your baby. They will let you know when they are done and watch lots and lots of TV or something to help pass the time. Number two, you will become obsessed with poop. If you look back on my camera roll to a year ago, you will find lots of pictures of Hudson's poop. I needed evidence to show to his pediatrician to try and figure out why he was so fussy and uncomfortable all the time. I felt like a scientist when it came to baby poop. I was obsessed with color, texture, frequency. I can specifically remember many of my Google searches leading me back to this nice little chart that I have linked up on my blog. I had no idea I would care so much or be so interested in someone else's poop. You become a parent and suddenly you care about things you never thought you would. Prior to baby, I had no idea how much the poop could tell you. For us, it was the mucus and strands of blood that helped us figure out the cow's milk allergy Hudson had, which is a very common allergy, especially for C-section babies. I say all this as a reminder that your baby will likely not poop in the way you expect. There might be days where there are no tally marks for poopy diapers and you'll be freaking out. There also might be days where there are tons of poopy diapers, but there's also blood and you will be freaking out even more. This may sound strange, but I do wish I had done a bit more research of the types of baby poop in terms of color and texture. I think this would have saved some valuable time and stress. Number three, you will also become obsessed with ounces. I had no idea how stressed I would get over Hudson's weight gain. In my head, it was all pretty simple. Baby is hungry, baby eats from mom, baby gains good weight. This is seriously what I was expecting, and again, this expectation was far from our reality. Baby might be hungry, but that doesn't necessarily mean he or she will eat the way you want them to. You will do everything you can just to get them the ounces they need. You will use syringes, supplemental nursing systems, S&S, really anything to get them the milk to gain the weight. I did know that babies lost weight in the hospital, but I had no idea how much they could lose in such a quick amount of time. In two days, Hudson was already down 10% of his body weight. 
I also was unaware how his weight loss would feel like entirely my fault. I felt so terrible in the hospital. I felt like I wasn't giving my baby enough nutrients and that it was all my fault. If you choose to exclusively breastfeed and do not supplement with formula, it can feel like a ton of pressure on yourself to make sure your baby is gaining enough weight. I became a bit of a crazy person when it came to ounces. I would drive to the hospital every week to weigh him. I would weigh him, then nurse him, then weigh him again. I would quickly do the math in my head to see how many ounces of milk he took from me. This may sound crazy, but this was my life those first couple months. I am so happy I was able to nurse Hudson, but for someone with my type of personality, it was really difficult not knowing how many ounces of milk he drank per feeding. This little method of weighing and subtracting the two weights helped calm my anxiety. Just know that as a new mom, your brain will think only in ounces. Your life will temporarily revolve around the ounces. Just embrace it. Pretty soon they will hit the double digits and weight and your worries and concerns will drastically decline. Number four, you will not feel normal. Every time I sneezed or laughed, I would have a sharp pain on my C-section incision. I dreaded when I felt a sneeze coming on and I tried to avoid laughter, which sadly was not very difficult in that first month. My experience is slightly different since I had a C-section, but I was surprised at how long it took my body to recover and feel normal again. I definitely had a mindset that I would bounce back super fast. I am young, healthy, tough. I can give birth and get back to normal life. I don't need that much recovery time. I will be good. This is what I told myself, but I was so wrong. It doesn't matter if you're 24 and in good shape. Having a baby is trauma on your body. You will not be the same after, and you definitely will not feel normal in that first month. It took me a solid four months to begin to feel like myself again, and if I'm really honest, it hasn't been until recently, like a year later, that I have felt really normal. I can leave the house with just a backpack, with wipes and a snack, and I know we will be good. This confidence takes time, and it's a huge mental and physical adjustment. It takes a lot of getting used to, but you do hit your normal again. It is just a new normal. Last week, I ran my workout in my sports bra. No shirt. This is a big deal. In college, this was normal. If it was hot, I would be running in just a sports bra. I also had abs, not really six of them, but I had a solid four. Let's just say postpartum life did not give me any pack of abs, and there was definitely no way I'd be running in just a sports bra. And here's the thing. Last Wednesday, it was humid. I had a four hard mile repeats, and I was wearing a long sleeve. The clouds deceived me. I went to the bathroom and I had a choice. Suffer in my long sleeve or just not care and rock the postpartum look. To be fair, my body has gotten back into a similar shape as I was pre-baby. Definitely less abs though. While my stomach and everything doesn't look that much different, it is more of an internal feeling. I felt so insecure, timid, and unsure of myself as I left the bathroom stall with my sports bra on. I tell this story because I think it's important. The things we used to do all the time, the way we felt about ourselves and our bodies will forever be changed. We are not the same, but that doesn't mean we can't still run in sports bras. I get it, that might not be your thing, but don't be afraid to do the things before baby. Maybe for you it's that bikini stuffed at the bottom of the drawer, that dress gathering dust in the closet. It might look different and feel different, but there's no reason postpartum you can't rock it. 
Number five, you've got this. You've got this. You do. It might not feel like it in the moment, but you will figure it out. Your baby will get enough milk. However you choose to feed your baby, they will grow and gain enough weight. They will have normal poops, sort of. All those little worries and daily anxiety attacks will eventually begin to fade. You were made for this job. There is no better mom for this child than you. You can do it. I wish I could have told all this to myself a year ago. I am not even sure I would have believed myself. There are some really hard days in those early months. It is easy to question if you were made for this role, but you were. God knows what he is doing. He has you where he wants you. He will equip you. Trust his plan. It might look very different from your expectations, but he knows exactly what he is doing. You've got this because he's got it. That is all for this week. I hope you got something out of today's episode. If you did, I would love to hear from you. It would mean so much if you would go to iTunes and rate and review the This Mama Needs Grace podcast. I would also love it if you could share this podcast with a friend. Right now, our little show is just going out to a few ears, but I would really love for more people to discover This Mama Needs Grace. I hope you all have a great week, and I will see you back here next Monday.